Well, this evening we're going to pick up right where we left off last Wednesday evening, dealing with the process of faith and believing God. And the issue is this, why not believe God and learn how to exercise your faith on daily things? And if you do that, the chances that you'll have a great big battle at some point, I believe, lessen. But what too many believers do is they don't learn how faith works. They don't learn how to grow and develop their faith. They don't exercise their faith. And then when a great big need or challenge comes, whether in their family, whether financial, whether physical, they don't know how faith works. And then they'll throw themselves on, you know, trying this and trying that. And it's not the road to head down. I mentioned that if you want to spend some time studying and meditating on the process of faith, go back to the 2018 Holy Week Revival on Mountain Moving Faith and watch and listen and meditate on those messages. The process of faith is first to have faith in God. Jesus said in Mark 11, beginning in verse 22, have faith in God, literally the God kind of faith. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And again, the emphasis is on saying, verse 24, therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so we see, first we're to have faith in God, literally the God kind of faith. And that requires that we speak to the mountain. We speak to the mountain. We, we say what we want. We say what we need. We say what we desire. It requires that we then believe we receive the things which we sayeth. If I believe I receive, I'm going to act accordingly. If I believe I receive, I'm going to talk and confess accordingly. And as we've learned, faith will work by praying it or by saying it. But when you pray, you still have to say it. Our, our words have great authority and our words also have great power. And we've learned that we're to believe we receive in the now when we pray, in the present tense. See, if I put things off in the future, I'm not in faith, I'm in hope. We've also learned that the process of faith requires that we never give the devil an inch, that when there is an attack, whatever it is, we immediately go to war and we focus on driving the enemy out. Ephesians 4, verse 27, neither give place. In the Greek, the word is topos. It's where we get the word topography. Don't give any place, any geographic territory to the enemy. And then after we have faith in God, we don't give the enemy a place. We're to walk by faith. We're to walk by the word, not by sight, not by circumstances, not by our five senses. We're to walk by faith, by the word. And I gave the example last Wednesday evening that pastor applied this in his life regarding finances after he heard Dr. Fred Price in 1988 and after the Lord rebuked him on saving money in 1989. The Lord told him to save something every seven days, both personally and here in the ministry, even if it's just $5. Now, $5 in 2023 is worth a whole lot less than it was in 1989. The point is to take action. The point is to do something. If you keep doing what you're doing, 
while you're confessing this and believing that, but you don't take any new action, you're not really in faith. You're what in Fred Price would call foolishness or presumption. And that's a great book that he wrote, Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So pastor, in his life, he applied this in the area of money and in finances. And I challenged you last Wednesday evening to exercise your faith with money and to learn how faith works with money. Why? It's non-fatal. There's, there's an extra bill. Why not believe God for extra provision to come in above and beyond? Amen. Why not? Why, why should it go backwards? Why, why should it mean that you got to cancel the wife's Christmas present because of an extra bill? Seriously, why not use an unexpected need as an opportunity to believe God? And think about it. If you can't use faith to believe God for an extra $100 a month, which is $1,200 a year, how are you then going to use faith when there is a serious physical challenge? If faith won't work for $100, why would faith work for cancer? So you have to learn how faith works on the daily matters and necessities and needs of life. Learn how it works, develop your faith, grow your faith, exercise your faith, and why money? Well, we, we deal with money every day. And you can either be negative and complain about inflation, or you can say, well, in the midst of all this, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to have not just enough. I'm going to have more than enough, and I'm going to be more blessed. Amen. You can be negative, or you can be positive. So this is an opportunity to prove the word of God is so. Isaiah 119 says, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Our Heavenly Father, He wants us to eat the good of the land. And this has everything to do with taking care of the bodies, the temple that our Heavenly Father has blessed us with. You go to the store, what's packaged? There is a lot of garbage. And you shouldn't need convincing that it is wrecking and ruining the lives of Americans. It is a train wreck and a disaster. But everybody's making money off it. So that's why they keep doing it. But our Heavenly Father wants us to eat the good of the land. Well, that requires blessing. That requires provision. That requires prosperity. Amen? He wants us to have the desires of our hearts. That they're not prepared for the reference. That's Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, religion will tell you that he only wants you to have your needs, what you need, and not your desires. That is nonsense. You can't study the life of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Joseph and talk like that. And today I was reading about Joseph, that he was blessed wherever he went, and he was sold as a slave into Egypt, and yet he was blessed, and then he was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was blessed because the Lord was with Joseph. So it's perspective. It's attitude. So why not believe God for extra? Why not believe God for more than you need? When there's this bill or that bill or your wife says that this needs to be done or that needs to be done or at your home where you live, you find out that this maintenance needs to be done or that maintenance needs to be done. Why not believe God? Why not use it as an opportunity to exercise and to grow and develop your faith? 
Why not believe him for extra? And then when you feel, when there's a situation where you're, you would say someone did me wrong, someone took advantage of me, I didn't get what I paid for, why not use it as an opportunity to believe God for sevenfold? Again, believing God in our finances is non-fatal. I say, well, Austin, what if I believe God for an extra $500 and it doesn't come in by January 31st? Keep believing him because February 28th is rolling around. See, people don't learn how to use their faith on small things. And then when there's a great big mountain, then they want to learn how faith works. And that can be a problem. Proverbs 6.31 says, if a thief is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. And I gave some examples of how we do this. And Jessica said, I started a story and then didn't finish it. You know, after we had moved into our current home, after a few months, I began to notice, come home, drive the kids home from school or come home from church, and there would be alcohol bottles on our property. And uh, I'm like my father, I'm a neat freak. And uh, if I see trash, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up. And I'm not gonna wait till Friday to pick it up. It needs to be picked up right now. And so I noticed coming home that there would be beer cans, there would be wine bottles, and sometimes like the super ginormous extra large wine bottle, there'd be vodka bottles and all kinds of stuff. And you know, if it's just once a month, you don't think anything of it, but if it's like two or three times a week, you start to wonder if someone doesn't like you or if they're targeting your property. Like when they drive by, they're throwing it out the window. Whatever it is, it became a point of irritation. But Jessica said, why not make the devil pay? And so she challenged me to use it as an opportunity to exercise faith that every time I came home, there was a bottle of any kind on our property to use it as an opportunity to believe God for an extra $1,000 to come in above and beyond. And someone might say that that's nuts, that's ridiculous, I don't believe that. Well, again, why would I think faith would work for healing if it won't work for that? Why would I think faith would work for in matters regarding family and children if it won't work for something that simple? And as I shared last Wednesday, of course, I would pray for the person. Lord, I thank you, whoever this is. I thank you for them getting saved. Thank you for them getting set free. I thank you for them getting plugged into a good church with a pastor who loves you, who loves your word, which our prayers are. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Amen. And so that's that we set out in faith praying that way. And so we would do as we've learned. Ministering spirits of God, I dispatch you to go forth in the cause to bring, to orchestrate an extra $1,000 to come into our hands above and beyond because of this bottle, because of this beer can, whatever it is. And then I would say, Satan, you take your hands off our money. You owe us. You owe us sevenfold. Thief be found out. He must pay sevenfold. And then once, once we confess or pray or ask from that point forward, believe you receive. And so I just thank the Lord that we got this amount coming in. And every time that happened, I would just add it to the list. I keep a running tally on my iPhone of what we're believing God for. And so if there's a bill that's extra, I add it to the list. If I come home and there's a beer can in the grass, I add it to the list. If there's a situation where I feel like someone did us wrong, not only do I add it to the list, but I multiply it times seven. And someone might think, that, that, that's crazy. But see, this is one of the ways in which we develop and we exercise our faith.
to believe God. And Jessica said, I didn't finish the story last week. Did, did that stop? And the answer is yes. After several months, you know, there were fewer and fewer and fewer bottles being tossed on our property, and eventually it stopped, where now it would be a very rare thing. But if it happens, I don't get irritated. <laughs> if it happens, I don't get sad or blue. I think, praise God. That just means an extra $1,000 has to come in above and beyond. Now, now, don't be offended. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be offended. Don't be Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be offended. Don't be See, the cost of things is going up. You can be negative. You can, you can complain. You can do five Facebook posts a day about it, or you can learn how faith works. You can learn how to believe God. You can learn how to walk in plenty. And to do this, you've got to reject the religious attitude of poverty, the religious attitude of a poverty mentality that it's wrong to have anything or it's wrong to have more than enough. And you got to give up being cheap and stingy. You know, there, there's a lady in the church, she's an insurance executive, she'll smile at this. To, to walk in the blessing of the Lord, you, you can't be the kind of person who collects the insurance money and never gets your car fixed. <laughs> you know, you've, you've collected insurance money two or three times and not only is the, the bumper like strapped with zip ties and the, the, tie, you know, the ropes they have at Home Depot, but now you got duct tape. You got to give all that mentality up if you're going to walk in the blessing of God. Because that I can guarantee you if Abraham was alive walking the earth right now, his car, his vehicle would not have duct tape on it. And so you might believe, be believing God for better, got to take care of what you have. The, the paint might be peeling off, but you need to get the tires checked, the tires changed, the oil changed, and the paint may be peeling. Wax it anyway. Amen. You got you to gotta give up cheap, stingy, selfish mentality to walk in the blessing of God. Too many believers never learn how faith works. Then when trouble comes, they want to rely on the faith of someone else. But as I pointed out last Wednesday evening, if there are areas of your life in which there are disobedience, trying this or that spiritual thing to fix it will not change the fact that there are points of disobedience in your life. So for instance, if there's a believer and they're disobedient in the area of money, you, you can fast all you want, but that is not going to change the fact that you're never going to walk in the blessing of God until you get obedient with your money. So you can fast, we can lay hands upon you, you, you can take your shoes off, dance around the church. None of that will change the fact that there is a point of disobedience and to begin walking in the blessing of God, you're going to have to begin walking in obedience, which is walking by faith. So too many believers never learn how faith works. Then when trouble comes, they want to rely on someone else's faith. But our Heavenly Father expects us to grow up and to mature. He expects us to develop our own faith. He expects us to learn how faith works. And faith in prayer and faith in living the Christian life, faith is acting on and speaking the word of God, saying what the word says. Sense knowledge says the word of man. And uh, we've seen the last few years, what man says is an utter and complete and total failure. Well, I, I think it's 100% effective. Well, wait, no, it's 99% effective. No, 98, 80% effective. Well, it's effective on Tuesday. The word of man 
is an utter and complete and total failure. But sense knowledge says what man says. Faith says what the word of God says. Sense knowledge acts upon what you can see or what you can hear or what you can feel. You know, our feelings can be deceptive. Faith acts upon the word of God. Faith takes action on the word. Faith gives substance to the things that we hope for and desire. Let's look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1 in the Amplified. Hebrews 11, 1 in the Amplified Bible. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for. That is things divinely guaranteed. And faith is the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact. I love that. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. We could shorten the verse this way. Now, faith is the title deed to things hoped for. And as an illustration, I brought with me a title deed this evening. Faith is our title deed. So when there is a need or there's something that I'm believing God for, whether I ask in prayer, for instance, with the prayer petition, or whether I make a confession and I simply say, for instance, on the base of Mark 11, 23, my faith is my title deed, that my heavenly Father has heard me, that he has answered me, that what belongs to me is in the warehouse of blessings in heaven. I don't think warehouse is the appropriate word, amen? The, the divine storeroom of blessings in heaven. It's mine, it's got my name on it. Faith is my title deed until I receive the physical manifestation of whatever I have asked God for. But see, if I have the title, then I know it's real. I know it's mine. I know it has my name on it. If I have the title, I don't have to be sad. I don't have to be blue. I don't have to be worried because I know that my heavenly Father's word is true. He's heard me. He's answered me. The provision, it is being made manifest. The healing, it is being made manifest. Whatever the answer is, it is being made manifest, and it is mine. Faith is the title deed to things hoped for. John tells us in 1 John 5, 14, and 15, that when we pray according to God's will, his word, our heavenly Father hears, and that we, we have what we've asked of him. The moment when you pray in faith, you have what you've asked of him. Oh, Austin, I, I can't see it. I can't put my hands on it. That's why faith is our title deed until we receive the manifestation. I hope this is helping someone this evening. Faith is the title deed to things hoped for. Faith is your evidence or title deed that you have what you've asked for or prayed for or confessed until you receive the physical manifestation. And once you have the manifestation, you no longer need faith for it. Why don't you need faith for it anymore? Because you have it. It's yours. You've birthed it. You're raising it, driving it, wearing it, living in it. Well, then you no longer need faith for it because it is yours. It is a reality. Now, I'm going to tell a story. Tell your neighbor, say, don't, don't be offended. You know, Jessica and I, over the years, anytime there has been an opportunity to sow seed regarding vehicles, we've always taken action in those opportunities and sowed seed. 
You know, in the past, when we were a blessing as a church to a missionary, Bud Sickler, his wife, Faye Sickler, more than once, then later to pastors Josh and Margaret, Mombasa, more than once. And there, there have been other ways in which Jessica and I, over the years, have sowed seed regarding vehicles. You know, we're at a stage in life where what's most important after the Lord is our family and our children. And that dictates that we put them first, amen, that they, they come ahead of everything else and that we, uh, we be conservative in other areas. And so as an example, as I challenge you, why not believe God regarding money? Why not believe God regarding a new vehicle? And the same Heavenly Father that will bless you to where you can go and sign your name and make the payments, same Heavenly Father will go and bless you to where you don't have to make any payments. And so because of the seed that we've sown and because this is an area where we have believed God, we've come to a place in life where the last two and a half vehicles have been given to us. Now back, let me look at the year so I can get this right. Back in 2020, towards the end of that summer, it was a Sunday after church. We were at my parents' house, sat down to have lunch. My father said, he said, Austin, I know there's a particular vehicle you like. Why don't you find, and I know they're not gonna be producing that much longer. Why don't you get what you want, the color you want. You find it, you get it, and I'll pay for it. Well, for me, his word was my title deed. Now, you might know people, and they, they can say this or that, but you know it probably is not going to happen. But when my father said, Austin, get what you want, and I will pay for it, that was my title deed. That was my assurance that I had what I desired. So on the basis of my father's word, I, I didn't wait till Monday. I instantly got online and began searching for what was out there. And there was a dealer in Dallas that had the color I wanted, but not all the options. So I went to work. By, by the end of that day, I knew where, where, where the car was that I wanted. And within seven days, that had been put on a flatbed trailer, brought to the Metroplex, had gone, signed my name for it. Now, now think about it. Jessica and I, we have five kids. They're all here at St. Paul. We have a lot of obligations. Amen. So on the basis of my father's word, I had told a dealership, you bring that car here and I will come and I will buy it. And I went and on the base of my father's word, I, I didn't write down his information. I gave them my information. So who was technically on the hook? I was. I, I still remember, I, it was, you know, whatever point my father said, this is the last car that I'm gonna be on the note with you. And uh, I, I still remember that because he, he, he said it in a very, definitive way. You're on your own now, buddy. But I went, my information, signed on the basis of my father's word. Now, if I can have that much confidence in my father's word, and he's wonderful, but the only one who is perfect is Father God. Amen. If I can have that much confidence in my father's word, why can't we have that much more confidence in the word of our heavenly father? So for me, my father's word was the title deed. So the date on this is August of 2020, and the date when this was released is May 2021. So my father, pastor, he kept his word. And he, he told me, you go get what you want, and I'll cover it, I'll pay for it. My point is his word was my title deed. Faith will not work for some believers because their word is no good. 
You know, there, there are people and they, they tell you, oh, you know, I want to meet you for lunch. You know that probably the day of, they're going to come up with some lame excuse as to why they can't make it. And even if they do make it, they're going to be half an hour late or 45 minutes late. In high school, I had a friend, I hope he's not watching, and he was late to everything. I mean, late, late, late. And so if we were going to see a movie, I'd tell him, you know, it's starting 45 minutes earlier than what it was, just so he'd still be late. Faith will not work for some believers because their word is no good. Faith will work in your heart when there's doubt in your head, but faith will not work in your heart when your heart condemns you. And what's one reason your heart would condemn you? Well, one reason could be there are things in your life that you know are displeasing to God, but another reason your heart could condemn you is because your word is no good. 1 John 3, beginning in verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence. See, to pray in faith, you gotta pray in confidence. And you can't pray in confidence if your heart condemns you. And one reason why your heart can condemn you is because your word is no good. That's why, husbands, you got to make your word good to your wife. Wives, you got to make your word good to your husbands. Parents, you got to make your word good to your children. You know, I, I learned early on, because my parents did this, that if they had told us that we would do something and then something came up because of church or ministry and they could not fulfill that commitment, they, they would apologize and they would ask our forgiveness. You might say, that's not the way I was raised. I ain't ever asking anyone's forgiveness. Well, see, that's not godly, and that's not Christian. And I would bet the people around you, the little ones, would testify, your word is no good. Your word has to be good for faith to work. Faith will not work for some believers because their word is no good. James writes in James 1, beginning in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. We're not to be double-minded. Our heart ought not be divided. You know, we, we watch old movies, classics with the kids. And they love Westerns. I like movies where the bad guy gets it and the bad guy dies. Now these new movies, the good guy doesn't kill the bad guy and then the, the good guy dies. It's terrible. But in Westerns, you know, when they're Indians, they'll, they'll sometimes refer to the deceptive settlers as having forked tongue. What does that mean? They say one thing, but they do another. And there are believers like that, but if you have a forked tongue, if you're not a man or woman of your word, your heart will condemn you you will not be able to pray in faith and in confidence because you have no confidence in your word. You have no confidence in your praying. You're double-minded in your heart, double-minded here, or double-minded here. Jesus tells us that our yes should be yes and our no should be. We live in a generation of liars. You turn on the TV, what do you have? Lies. Politicians, doesn't matter what, what party they are, they are 99.99, I guess that's, they have an effective rate of lying 99.99% of the time. We live in days of lying and falsehood and mendacity. Jesus says our yes should be yes and our no should be no. 
The Bible talks about vows and promises being fulfilled. So for me, we went to lunch that Sunday and my, my father said, Austin, if, if you will find this and get it, I will pay for it. His word was my title deed. But see, we ought to have that much more confidence in the word of our heavenly father. Now, faith is the title deed to things hopeful. Hope never gives a title deed, but faith is our title deed. Say this, say, my faith is my title deed that I have what I have confessed, that I have what I have believed, that I have what I have asked for in prayer. So whatever it is, there's an unexpected bill. Or maybe someone did you wrong and you're believing God for sevenfold. So you make it a matter of prayer in faith. Knowing and believing on the basis of the word of God that our heavenly father has heard and answered you and having that confidence, that is your title deed until you have the physical manifestation of the money. Maybe there's a need in your physical body. Your faith that our heavenly father has heard, that he has answered, that he is our healer, that by the wounds of Jesus that we have been healed, your faith is your title deed, that your healing is yours. It belongs to you. It's got your name on it until you receive 100% of the physical manifestation. We're to have a spirit of faith, not a spirit of fear. And this requires that you drive out all the, we talked Sunday about driving out the devil, but there are other things to drive out. Fear, anxiety, worry. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken with the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. That, that's the kind of faith God has. We also believe and therefore speak. That's the kind of faith that great men and women throughout the Bible, the Faith Hall of Fame, that's the kind of faith that they had. They believed and they said. Faith speaks. Faith confesses. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, I'm, I'm so thrilled that things are kind of somewhat back to normal. You know, one of the things I thought was so terrible in the last few years is how they, they wouldn't even allow you to visit people in the hospital. They, they wouldn't even allow ministers to visit people in the hospital. Even in instances where somebody was dying, they wouldn't allow ministers to visit someone in the hospital. Even here in Fort Worth, a man that I knew from seminary, Baptist pastor, his wife just broke her arm. They wouldn't even let him be in the hospital with his wife because he wasn't vaccinated. Just ridiculous. But see, society may be in fear, but as the people of God, we shouldn't be in fear. We should be in faith. So you got to drive the fear and the anxiety and the worry out of your life. Because our Heavenly Father has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you believe what the word says, fear and anxiety and worry will leave you. Well, Austin, I, I, just today I got this in the mail and it's more than I thought or I wasn't expecting this at all and I'm worried and I'm concerned. But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What if it doesn't come in by tomorrow? But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches riches in Christ Jesus. See, what, what are you saying? That's why we say the money is coming. Amen? See, what are, what are you believing? What are you saying? When you believe the word of God, fear and anxiety and worry will leave you as long as you remain in hope and just 
hope for the best, you'll be filled with fear, anxiety, and worry. Hope is not a plan. It's in Proverbs. Battles are won on the basis of strategy and many advisors. Got to have a plan. I said you got to have a plan. And you got to have an action plan. If you're just hoping for better times, that's not the answer. Hope will not give you any traction in life. Hope is not a plan. Hope sets goals, but hope will not move mountains. Hope will set goals, but hope will not move mountains. Hope will set goals, but hope will not move mountains. What do you need to move the mountain? Need faith. And that's why we're all about learning how faith works on the everyday, daily things of life. Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Literally, the God kind of faith. What kind of faith is that? Our Heavenly Father calls things that be not as though they were. So there's a need. He calls the need met. There's a sickness or an illness or a physical difficulty. He calls us the blessed and the healed of Almighty God. The God kind of faith calls things that are not as though they were. But Jesus challenged us to have faith like God. You know, it's amazing to me that out there in Christian culture, there's this idea that, that grace means that we can goof off till we go to heaven. You know, people that believe that and live like that haven't read the New Testament. You know, Jesus said, be, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He didn't lower the standard. He raised the standard, and he challenged us to have faith like his Father, faith like God. Have the God kind of faith. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, what if you're saying one thing Monday and something different Tuesday? Well, you're, you're going to have mixed results. That's why pastor says you've got to get the forces of your life lined up and all moving in the same direction. Consistency, consistency, consistency. That's why I know there's a businessman in the church and anyone that he's training or coaching or mentoring, he gives them that book by pastor, 10 words that can change your life. A big part of success is being consistent. So you've been negative consistently. Now you need to be positive consistently. You've said what you thought or what uh, someone in the, the media or a sportscaster thought. Now you need to say what the word says. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice that the faith man believes in his heart and the faith man believes in his words. And this is something that we all need to meditate on. The faith man or the woman of faith believes in their heart and they believe in their words. Now, when I say the faith man believes in his words, I'm not just talking about the words of Jesus or the words of the Bible or maybe the Holy Spirit quickening something to us. The faith man also believes in his own words. That he said, this is what's going to happen, so this is what's going to happen. It's going to be okay. So it is going to be okay. The need is going to be met. The money will come. This is going to turn around. This is not the end. 
the faith man also believes in his own words. But how can that be if you're not a man or a woman of your word? How can that be if you're a liar? How can that be if you don't keep your promises and commitments? How can faith work if your heart condemns you? How can, a, how can faith work for you if you're not a man or woman of your word? So see, we, we've got to be people of integrity. To be a person of faith, you've got to be a person of integrity. Now, occasionally, pastor has mentioned this, but this is more something that we talk about behind the scenes. Once, the grandson of Kenneth Hagin Sr. said to my father that he teaches faith very different. My father said to him that's because he was influenced by Dr. Lester Sumrall, but he was also influenced by Dr. Young E. Cho. But after all these years, my father's perspective is he teaches faith and character. Faith and living the Christian life. Faith and being a man or woman of your word. So you have believers out there in the full gospel charismatic world, and they're believing God for all this stuff. They don't make any progress. Their lives are the same year after year after year. Well, they're, they're saying a lot, they're believing a lot, they're confessing a lot, but there's something missing, and that is character. They don't have the Christian life to back up what they're saying, they're believing, they're confessing, or they are praying. How can faith work for you if you're not a man or woman of your word. The faith man also believes in his own words. The faith woman also believes in her own words. How can this happen? You gotta turn off the noise and the static of this world. And you have to immerse yourself in the word of God. And this is why we encourage you to do the daily Bible reading. Read through the Old Testament in a year. Read through the New Testament twice in a year. Questions will be answered. You'll discover things you didn't know were in the Bible. And places where there was a point of confusion or question or whatever it is, those things will get answered. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Get so full of the Word that God's Word becomes more real to you than this world. And that's what the Bible says about the men and women in the Faith Hall of Fame. That they looked ahead to what was promised even though the Messiah did not come in their lifetime. They looked ahead, and to them, the city of God was more real than anything else. This is what we sing about in the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. This is an old one, but it's good. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Y'all were wondering if I was going to sing it. I'm not. I'm going to just <laughs> quote it for you. Amen. That is not one of my talents or gifts. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Now, I mentioned believing God for money, mentioned believing God for things. In just a few seconds, what is a right Christian perspective and attitude of things? See, there are people and they're, they're consumed with things, whether it's money or things. We use money, money serves a purpose, but money is a tool. And it can be used for evil, but it can also be used for righteousness. Things have a purpose. Things are meant to be used. Things are meant to be enjoyed. But if things are more important to you than God or your wife or your children, God can't bless you. Part of walking in the blessing of the Lord is coming to the place where you're thankful, 
and you're grateful, but none of it matters compared to God. And if something happened to it, if you came home and the garage stall was empty, you wouldn't even shed a tear because you walk with Jehovah Jireh. You walk with El Shaddai. And he can get you another one, get you a nicer one, get you a better one. See, you got to have the right perspective, the right attitude. But again, that goes back to Christian character and Christian integrity, being a man or woman of the word, genuinely living the Christian life. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One of the seven letters Jesus said to the, one of the churches, return to your first love. See, we're to love the Lord. We're to be consumed with the Lord. We're to be focused on the Lord. And we live in this world, and, and in this world we have need of food and clothes and provision. We have need of things, and we use things, and we, we enjoy things, but at the end of the day, our focus is on the Lord and the things of God and his word. And the city of God is more real to us than anything else. Well, in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. You have to turn off the noise and the static of this world and immerse yourself in the word of God and the things of God. Meditate on the word of God. Focus on Jesus. And as you'll do that, you'll find yourself believing in your heart. You'll find yourself believing in the word of God. You'll find yourself, as pastor says, you get all the force of your life lined up and moving in the same direction. What is that? The Christian life, Christian character, Christian integrity, being a man or woman of your word. And, and you'll discover that not only do you have confidence in the word of God, but you also have confidence in your word, believing in your word. And when you come to that place, you will be in an effective place of prayer. The prayers of a righteous man, they are powerful and effective. The faith man believes in the word of God, but the faith man also believes in the integrity of his own words. Well, this gives us all plenty of homework to work on. Amen? Amen. We can all grow our faith. We can all exercise our faith. We can all improve. Amen? Amen. We can all do a better job watching what we say. We can all do a better job being a man or woman of our word. Amen? Amen? A faith man has confidence in the word of God but a faith man also has confidence in his own words.